Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. So, you trusted Jesus in the last storm that you experienced. And he said, he interjected, he interposed, he came to rescue, he delivered you. And not only did he deliver you from the previous storm, but you're now experiencing a calm, right? You're experiencing a level of peace now that you've come out of the storm, right? And not only are you experiencing peace in a calm, but maybe you're experiencing a mountaintop-like experience with Jesus. And all things are going well, he's providing for you, and then all of a sudden, on the horizon, you see the dark clouds of another storm growing. And you say to yourself, oh, wait a minute, I get it. I just came out of a storm. And now it looks like I'm about to go into another one. How am I going to get through this one? Has anybody's experience this way? Is it anybody's experience right now? And you can relate with me as we go into the story today with the 12 apostles in Matthew chapter 14. So Matthew chapter 14, you got to understand that these disciples who had been with Jesus in the previous storm are now about to experience a mountaintop experience that many of us experience. It's probably one of the most vulnerable moments we have with Jesus is after a mountaintop experience. And here they are, literally, a mountaintop experience. You may be familiar with the story of the feeding of 5,000. That's 5,000 men, men, women, and and children. And so they, they now are about to experience one of the greatest miracles in the New Testament. The Gospels, all four Gospels, record this particular miracle. Okay, it's so critical. It's such a turning point in the life of Jesus that is that all of us have to write about this. And so here's this amazing mountaintop experience. Jesus is providing the potluck for everybody. There is food left over. And they are so caught up with this miracle. They, they're in such euphoria with Jesus that they say, oh, this guy has to be king. Now, do we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you like to be king? Now, he is the Messiah. He's the king of Israel, unlike someone else that's trying to pose us that this week. Jesus, the truth of the universe, and the king of Israel. And they say, no, we're going to make Jesus king, Gabriel, Gabby, by Force. that? We, we, we want Jesus to be king. And by the way, was Jesus king? Who was he? Yeah. Oh, yes, he was. Yes, he was. But he was going at a different timetable with a different perspective and agenda for the establishment of his kingdom. I wish some people would hear that today in our country today. 
Jesus got a totally, totally different way about going about Messiah, and he saw what was coming. And he decides to dismiss the crowds, and he sends his disciples up on the other side. The only reason the other side symbolized or was always connected to in the Gospels. Gentile territory for mission. Okay? So again, he's sending them over to the other side again. This is already starting to sound familiar, isn't it? And as he sends them over to the other side, you need to ask yourself the question, Janice, why is Jesus sending them away as he's now about to dismiss the crowds? Well, this, this lets force Jesus to be king movement. The disciples are actually kind of like, they're kind of feeling that. They were kind of tired of their Messiah that they're following, constantly being considered a false prophet, constantly being criticized by the church leadership at the time. And so they said, yeah, he is. We've been, we've been trying to say that from the beginning. Absolutely, you need to go ahead and get him up on the throne of David. But Jesus sends them away. Listen to this. Desire of Ages, I'm quoting on this, commenting on this scene. She says this in Desire of Ages, page 378. She says, They, meaning the disciples, protested against the arrangement, meaning going to the other side at this very moment. But Jesus now, listen to this, Jesus now spoke with an authority. He spoke with what? He spoke with an authority he had never before assumed toward them. They knew that further opposition on their part would be useless, and in silence they turned toward the sea. They didn't get it. Jesus spoke with a tone. He had a look on his face. But they said, wait a minute, we're not going to push any further on this make Jesus king by force idea. But as they get in the boat, I can almost see them lingering and waiting there. You see, if Jesus would change his mind, it's probably the humility of Jesus. It's the modesty of Jesus. That's why he doesn't want to go ahead and receive. He's not trying to assert himself. We want him to be king. But clearly, he's not going with the idea. So they've got all kinds of stuff going on in their minds. You see, and here's what I want you to get from this. Before, as a matter of fact, we say this also. John the Baptist, if you read the earlier part of the chapter, has just been beheaded. He's just been murdered. And they were wrestling with, if Jesus is the Messiah, then why didn't he deliver? Why didn't he save? Right? He's the Savior of the world. Why didn't he save his own cousin, the leader of the movement that was ushering him in? If he's the Messiah. That was really kind of a loop in the back of their minds. They maybe didn't speak out loud. If Jesus is the Messiah, why doesn't he seize the moment? When the people are ready now to crown you king. And so here's what I want you guys to get here before they go into the next storm. It's the same thing with us. Before the dark clouds of the literal physical storm began to take place, before they were struggling with the waves and the wind of the, of the external storm, there was already the dark cloud of doubt. There was already that storm brewing in their minds. And what Jesus is going to do is he encounters them in this next storm, as they go through this next storm that, to them, felt completely unstoppable. Jesus is going to not only deal, he's not just trying to deal with the external storm. As they're going to see, like, God, God's got that. All right? 
Jesus wants to deal primarily with the internal storm. What's that? With the internal storm. I see my my AD people looking at me here. So what's going on? Are we good? Ready to do it again? Oh, I think we're going to get this worked out. Here we go. Is that nice? Is that better? There we go. All right, let's continue. So let's go with me now to verse 23. How many of you guys are about to open and ready to read God's word? All right, listen to God's word here. Matthew 14, verse 23. The Bible says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone. Verse 34, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. The wind was contrary. Verse 25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Please understand what the Bible just said, that the winds were contrary. It means that they were trying to go in the direction of west, and the wind was going in the exact opposite direction. It was creating a severe struggle. They're trying to go this way, the wind is coming this way. It's beating against them. They're literally going against the grave. The other thing is, when it says that they were there from evening until the fourth watch, understand the fourth watch is anywhere from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Everybody getting that now? So how long does it seem that they were struggling with this storm? They can assume at least from, from evening as the beginning of nighttime all the way into the early part of the morning. And so, family, what happens when you go through the next storm and it doesn't seem like God is going to stop it? Let's say that again. How do you get through the next storm if you're in one right now? It doesn't feel like God is going to stop it. Well, Jesus is really nice after you sent the, the crowds away. It's really nice that you want to go up and pray and have your time with the Lord. That's, that's so nice, Jesus. I know you do that all the time. And you and the Father are like this, really, really cool. We're struggling down here. Ever feel that way? Jesus is nice as you rose again, and you're with the Father, and yes, I hear you sent the Holy Spirit in you, but uh, I kind of need some help, and I'm not seeing you kind of stop your Savior. He's supposed to do this. Hello? I'm not talking to anybody here today. That's real nice, Jesus, but understand, the Bible's letting us know also that Jesus wasn't just up there chilling kind of like those feet up. Matter of fact, the Bible and, and, and the desire of it just kind of gives us some insight that he's up there wrestling with the Father. He's praying that they would understand the real purpose of his mission. He wants them to have a clear understanding of who he is, the divine nature of his mission, so that they don't get swayed when the winds and the waves come. He's interceding on their behalf. As a matter of fact, go with me real quick. Mark chapter 6, verse 48. Mark chapter 6, verse 48. Because, yes, Jesus, unlike the previous storm, is not in the boat physically. Is that the one? Physically. Watch this. 
chapter 6, verse 48. I want you to get a clear picture of what's going on in their storm and what's going on in your storm. Mark 6, verse 48. The Bible says, Then he, what? Oh, please hear that, family. Then he, he saw them straining at rowing. For the wind was against them. That was that word, again, like, like in the previous one, contrary. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed by. I'm going to come back to that. And would have passed by. But can we please just quickly go back to the beginning of that? He saw them. As a matter of fact, not only did he see them, watch this, he was watching them all those hours that they were struggling. Does that kind of remind you of what happened in the previous storm story? This is the second one in the Gospels. Remember, they were trying to bail the water out of the boat. They were trying to fix this thing themselves and all somebody. And they're struggling for how long? For hours. And it's, it's not stopping. And Jesus is up there. He's praying for them. He's interceding for them. He's watching the whole thing. He's like, okay, and it's so funny. <laughs> Don't wait for them to just tag me in here. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. If they would just say, Jesus, can you just say something? I'm ready. For hours, no. Hey, Jesus. But you're not. Jesus wants you to know if you're going to get through the next storm. You, you gotta stay with him because he, he wants to reveal to you in the next storm that he sees your struggle and draws close. He sees your struggle and he draws close. You know, these stories are not in here just for happenstance because he didn't stand up and tell you something nice and maybe go home and eat some food. See, the reason they're going through this is not because God intends for good things to happen. He knows that bad things happen in a world that has sin in it. There's a devil in it, and he's interjecting, he's intervening, he's, he's, he's taking over the hell. That's really cute, Satan, but I'm going to totally turn that into victory. See, so he's, he's working through it, and he wants what they're struggling with to be in your mind when you're going through your struggle. You feel that? And so as you're going through your physical or mental storm or both, because we're holistic, you know, we experience things all together. Jesus needs to understand through their experience that he is not aloof. He sees what you're going through, but he doesn't just see it. He comes close. I want you to watch something. This is kind of like a lifeguard. I'm just curious, who here has ever done any kind of lifeguard work? Anybody? Any kind of lifeguard? Really, Janice? Anybody else? Lifeguard work? Okay. Confirm this for me. Is it not true that a lifeguard, when they see you struggling in the water, they may be on the beach? And the lifeguard will actually see you and will see you struggling and will actually get, get off from the beach and will actually run towards you, dive into the water, get real close to you, but they're not trained to actually wait until you stop struggling before they go in to rescue you. Am I right? And, and, and you know why that is, right? It's because if while you're struggling, you don't surrender help. To allow them to save you, you're actually going to pull them down with you. And so what they actually are waiting for you to do is they're waiting for you to stop trying to save yourself. 
the way he stopped flailing the arms and just threw up the right flag and said, you know what, I can't save myself, but here's somebody who can. Now, I just don't think that's like Jesus. Because I think what Jesus is trying to teach us here is, is that, yes, I see you. I see you. But when I see you, the way you see yourself. I know what's going on. I want to see the storm after the storm. I know what's going on up here. I see you. Oh, I'm going to draw real close to you. I'm closer than you think. But he's a child, but he's kind of like, you know what? I'm going to tie the end. When are you going to throw the white flag? When are you going to say, here it is, Helen. When are you going to say, I'm going to stop struggling? I'm going to start surrendering. I'm going to stop striving. And I'm going to start trusting. There's a difference there. And it really just hit me as long as I've been talking to you. I mean, hours and not once have been going, man, no. That wave is just, you know, the last storm. I remember that um, the moment we said, Jesus, don't you care? Remember that? Don't you care? Yeah, he kind of got up from the nap. He kind of did something. He kind of stepped in. Some of us like to try and do it ourselves. Like Jesus, Jesus does something that on the surface, you know, all right, Jesus, you know, this is not the time for a cruel joke. Jesus goes close to them, right? You saw that? And then he kind of goes as if he's going to get a spine. You see that? So, so imagine you're going through something as life-threatening as this, and somebody comes at, at you know, that cares about you, they get real close, and they're going to help you, and then they kind of go, what do you think? That's kind of cruel, isn't it? And I thought, I thought, where are you? I thought, are you going to help me? Understand that Jesus is not being cruel. He's not using placing jokes. Jesus is teaching them something that he's hoping that we'll learn today. Jesus is a gentleman. Like I said, he's waiting for you to tag him in. Jesus gets close enough for you to recognize his presence. He gets close enough for you to go, oh, this, is, this is Jesus. Yeah, I remember that verse. He gets close, you know, I need to call that spiritual godly friend. Jesus gets close enough, but he's getting close enough for you to exercise your free will, to exercise your choice, your spirit, watch this, to exercise your faith. Exercise your faith. It frees him because the devil wants to say, oh, no, 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 let me ask for you to step in. You just forced yourself into that situation. See, you, you're not really God's love that, 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 that honors free will and choice. Do you, you, you realize that it's like the power of prayer is so powerful? Because you're, you're inviting him into the situation. You're exercising your free will. You're saying, yes, Jesus, I want to somebody else on your behalf. And it literally, because God is love, you can value free will because free will is required for love. And he says, look, get me into the ring. Amen. He does the same thing. Do you remember the story in Luke 24 with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? You see, they were, they were in grief at the death of Messiah. They were walking and discussing this, and he shows up like a stranger, and he gets close, right? He does again. 
And as he kind of tries to explain to them from the scripture what just happened, what happens when they get to their village? When they get close to their home? But he goes like he's gonna. He's like, keep going. This what is he waiting for? He's waiting for them to say, Would you like to come in? Take bread with us. Tell us some more about the cross. He goes, if you invite him into your storm, you're a wise guy. You just have to. It won't overwhelm you. You've got to invite him in. You've been through a storm before. How many of you guys have been through storms with Jesus? You should be everybody's hand right about now. How many of you guys are a little shy and reserved? That's okay. We all have. And didn't he kind of step in and say, Peace, be still the last time? I mean, is he not faithful? And he's saying, look, bring that back to your memory. I want you to see that if you invite me in, I'll make some things happen. I'll make some things happen. Now, their response, I love their response to Jesus actually drawing close. <laughs> Go with me out, verse 26. Because it's a totally unexpected response if you're reading it as if for the first time. Jesus in verse 26. So in verse 26, I was in one of the disciples saw him walking on the sea. Walking on what? Walking on the sea. They were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for, here's that word, for fear. For fear, it's paralyzing, isn't it? Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Clearly, they did not initially recognize that that was Jesus, right? So, what was going on there? Why, why would they confuse Jesus with a ghost? What's happening is that they had so allowed the spirit of fear to overwhelm them. But they began to fall into the ancient Canaanite superstition that a ghost was a kind of an omen for looming or impending doom. And coupled with this thought is that the sea was the place of sea monsters, demons, and the devil. That was Canaanite tradition, that was Canaanite thinking. Okay? Um, and, and by the way, this is why in the Old Testament, if you, if you guys are really into, into the Bible, you're reading your word, you'll understand a lot of it references Leviathan. That's the sea monster that is symbolic of Satan. Because other spirits in God always defeats Leviathan. I can't read the end of Job because you have a perspective to explain all the end of the book of Job. Okay? It's not just that God is saying, hey, I see things from a different perspective. I'm more powerful than you. You should just trust me, even though you just lost all your days. That's not what the point God is saying. God is saying there's a great controversy going on. I didn't do this. The devil did this. And I'm working on him. And I'm going to defeat him. Go back and read it. Go back and read it. Hear about the Bible. So, so, what, so, what I want you to understand, family, is that, is that when it's so out of fear to overwhelm them, they couldn't see who it was. They couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't see that it was actually Jesus. That was at work. It was actually Jesus who was drawing close to his presence. It's the nice thing that Jesus wants us to understand is that he walks on with fear. 
and you didn't want to get so I'll say amen for you. He wants what you fear in the storm. See, what he's trying to get across to you, even though the storm feels like it is unstoppable, is what he's trying to get across to you is, is that right now, what I want you to understand is that I'm stronger than the storm. Yeah, it, it may seem like the storm is not stopping, but I want you to understand, I am more powerful than this storm. And by the way, here I am. Don't be afraid when it gets close and the storm is still going on. I know they're probably sitting there going, wait, but last time, if that was Jesus, last time he said, peace be still. I know he's not doing that right now. It's good to have the nice kumbaya when Jesus is close and present in the storm, but I kind of wanted to stop the storm. He wants to reveal to you that he wants and what you fear. It's kind of like when, um, if you remember the Old Testament story of Joshua and the Israelites' conquest of Canaan, and you remember that there were these seven wicked nations, so I think that they were just really, really nice people, and God was just so really, really mean and arbitrary, and just wiped them out. These people were sacrificing their kids by the untracked tongue kids. They were killing and a host of other things. There was terrible things going on. And God was like, no more. He gave 400 years. And so finally, he emerged and just said, you know, we've got to call this to an end. As a matter of fact, he really just wanted to drive them out. But then, as a person who's true, the picture of God goes, that's my understanding. also Jesus. The same way as children on his lap. Right? In the New Testament, same God. And so, here it is. Joshua now, he defeats these evil things, and they're hiding in a cave. And he says, bring them out. He's got his captains. He's got the rest of the army watching this. And Joshua puts his foot. I know it's going to sound really bad. I'll explain a second. He puts his foot on the neck of these kings. And he does. He says, hey, don't be afraid to his captains. To the army, he says, don't be afraid. He would be purchased with him always. Always coming out with the book of Joshua. You know why? Because they're afraid. You know, they were going with the Lord, even though the victory was the Lord that was actually doing it on behalf of them. And he was bringing justice into a wicked situation. He says, don't be afraid. He says, he says, every battle is given to us by the Lord. As we go forward, by the way, there were more other battles after that moment. The war wasn't over. But, but in that moment... In the midst of the storm, God wanted to reveal the picture, the idea, is God wanted to say, hey, I am stronger than these enemy nations. I'm more powerful than what you fear. I mean, this was an ancient practice of dating, okay? It was to communicate total subjugation. Let's say you need to go to your boss this afternoon. Like the devil. Okay? This is, this is the culture. But Jesus wants you to understand that he is more powerful than what you fear, in the storm. Now, it's going to sound to you absurd that Jesus says to them in the storm. You know what he said? He said, he said, be of good cheer. Well, I'm the only one that heard that this morning. He said, has he stopped the storm yet? Be of, but Jesus literally just told them in the midst of a life-threatening storm, he said, break out in praise and start rejoicing right now. Well, that's nice and cute. You really, Jesus? I'm not going to do the whole magic. Please be still. How are you telling me before the storm stops to break out in praise and rejoice to start celebrating? 
I kind of want the sickness to be done. I kind of want to get a job. I kind of want to know what's happening with our country. I kind of want to know what's happening in the election next year. I'm not talking to anybody today. I kind of want the anxiety to stop. I kind of want the depression to stop. I kind of want everything to be fixed. And Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's me. It is I. Now watch this. It sounds really nice when you read it. When he says, hey, it's I, it just kind of sounds like, yeah, I showed up. It's nice to see did you guys understand in the Greek, the original language, Jesus actually just said, Be of good cheer, I am. The self existent self revelation of God in the Old Testament, when he came to deliver the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage, he revealed himself as Yahweh, I am. God who spoke worlds into existence, the mighty God who delivers with a strong hand. I'm here, he says, in the chair. That's why he says, break out of the grace. Rejoice. I know the storm is still going, the spire is crashing around. He says, hold on here. Be in the chair. It is I. Don't be afraid. Didn't Jesus say in John 16 33? He says, I say these things to you so you may have peace. And later on, he'll say, A peace of the world cannot take away. Nobody can take this peace from you. You have it inside, no matter what storm you're in. And then he goes on to say, In this world, in this life, in this country, on your street, in your home, he says, In this life, you will have tribulation. Jesus keeps it real. He doesn't sugarcoat it. Yes, he gives you love, peace, joy, and comfort, all that stuff, but he's real about the reality of life and the messiness of life. And he gets to the midst of the messiness of life. He says, Yeah, the world is messy. It's not fair all the time. And he says it again. One day, John, we wrote it, we won't remember what happened in the story. Jesus says it again. Yeah, this world is messy. There will be tribulation. He says, But be of good cheer. Rejoicing was an action word. We said it's more as here. They danced. They leaped. To rejoice was to celebrate literally, physically. He says, break out into praise. Because I have overcome the world. Did you hear that? Yeah. But you see, when you're in Christ, this is the beauty about the gospel. When you're in Christ, if it's happened to Jesus, it's happened to you. And Jesus accomplished it, it's credited to you. So because Jesus overcame the world in Christ by faith, you will overcome. I don't think you will believe that up here. See, if he has overcome, that means peace is yours. Now, storm's still going. Peace is yours. But joy is yours. You can rejoice before he does the fireworks and the peace be still and the show up being inside. He says, you should just rejoice at the very sight of my presence. To know that I'm in the boat. To know that I've drawn close. To know that your God who sustains you in the universe is here. The storm is still raging. Where we are right now, we should pick up September 10th. The storm is still raging. They're still in the boat. He hasn't stopped the storm. But he says, I want you to know something. Yeah. 
even though the storm is still going on. Even though there's a little bit of crazy going on in the world, in your life, in this country, whatever it is. He says, I kind of I know how to get into the midst of the mess and bring order out of it. I kind of know how to take that thing that makes you afraid. Is that what you're scared of? A lot of that stuff. A lot of that stuff. All the way he walks on the water, the place that they actually saw, that's the place of demons and monsters and the devil. He's walking on it as he's coming to them. But the very thing that, that the sight that made them sneer should have actually encouraged their, their faith. But the God, the one that I know, my friend, walks on what I'm afraid of. He walks on it. That means something about to go out. He walks on what you fear. He close. Close. He sees you. So how do we know for sure? How do we know for sure that Jesus will do that first in the storm, even though at the moment it feels like it's unstoppable? How do we know? Well, see, Jesus looked at you struggling with sin. He saw this world and all of its mess as a result of sin, and Jesus said, I see that, I got to draw you right from close, you see. So he came with God in the flesh. He got in the midst of the mess. God is not like over here, yes, this is messy. No, he gets in the mess. He puts on human flesh. He conquers what you fear, and he takes it to the cross. He lets it crush on his life. And on your behalf, he gets up victorious on the third day. And then he goes, it's God. That thing that you fear? What's that thing that you fear? Let me see that thing that you fear. Let me walk on in for a second. And after he crushed it, he says it's finished. You don't trust me now. It's God. You don't trust me now. Somebody's in the storm, you want to trust Jesus when you stand your feet. Somebody's in the storm and you are saying today, I want to trust. Jesus who walks on what I fear. And whether you're in a storm, you're going through the next one. So I want to trust that Jesus. That's the Jesus I need. When I go through the next storm. I want to pray for you, and we're going to pray again, bro. I want to pray for you right now. Somebody's here. They're going through a storm. I just feel the Lord wants me to say a word. Right now, let's pray. Father in heaven. We don't want to pretend because we have a super dress on. Somebody needs to surrender to Jesus Christ, the living God I am. Somebody needs to surrender and stop trying to save themselves. Somebody needs to pull up the white flag. Somebody today needs to make the choice to make Jesus their Savior and their Lord. Thank you for listening to Living For Him Podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. 
If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend His reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.